Welcome home. This is Audio EXP for the 6th of March 2021. And the title of this episode is Drama, Drama and D&D. Last week, in this Highlights podcast, I asked whether you'd learnt any real-life skills from playing games. And this week, I'm going to start with stats about people cheating on games. An infographic created by the marketplace on Buy revealed those puzzles that people cheat the most on. In this case, the definition of cheat is to turn to Google for help. The Water Temple in the Ocreana of Time is in fifth place, with about 183,000 people googling their way out of that three-hour puzzle. In fourth and in third place are two puzzles from Skyrim, with over 250,000 people needing help with boiler rooms and other challenges there. In second place, there's that magic lamp from Witcher 3. And then, in top place, with more than 300,000 people searching for solutions, there are the corridors of time in Destiny 2. And that does surprise me. I used to play Destiny 2 back when I had the time, although I never did raids. I can say the rest of the game is pretty well signposted. What game has driven you to distraction the most? Right, and sticking with the topic of distractions and drama, let's go on to that, as that's what the title of this week's show promised. Drama 1 comes from the tail end of Zine Quest 3 and the guy who started it, Luke Crane, when he launched his own Kickstarter. Luke Crane is a well-known RPG talent behind the burning wheel. That is a smart game, and the hobby owes it some respect. Crane also works for Kickstarter. He was a boss in the games department, but now he's head of community. His project was an expensive zine called Perfect RPG. Confident, right? Well, he had reason to be. Crane had lined up a list of talent, and the project funded within hours. Then, people noticed one of the contributors was Adam Cobell. Cobell had previously quit tabletop gaming publicity after getting death threats. He got death threats after running a sexually distressing scene without permission on a live stream. The kicker? Crane hadn't told the other contributors that Cobell was involved, and they were displeased. Perfect RPG contributors began to back out of the project, at least insisting that their name was removed, and people got increasingly frustrated. Crane pulls the funded Kickstarter, noting that those contributors who hadn't yet pulled out were being harassed. Now, harassing creators over social media is wrong, and if Crane had intended to sneak Cobell in deliberately, rather than accidentally, then that was wrong too. It's the designers who pulled out swiftly who've behaved responsibly in this mess and it's a shame they had to do anything at all. The whole drama is one of those times I ended up getting comments in the blog which I like but I'm unable to approve in this case. The creeps came out in force. One guy called it a communist takeover. Now I didn't approve that comment because of other obscenities but the idea that the free market in action was a communist takeover tickled me. What happened here is the exact opposite. People spoke with their money and with their keyboards, and lacking a mandate from the government to force the Kickstarter through, it was cancelled. Ready for drama number two? Zach S is suing Gen Con and Peter Atkinson. 
Zach S is an artist and a game designer who had allegations made against him by his ex. These have not been proven in a court. However, those companies who looked into them found enough reason to take action and, for example, Wizards of the Coast had his name purged from the credits of D&D. Gen Con banned him from attending and publicly reassured people that they had done so. Now, Zach S's legal challenge is that that public nature of the ban defamed his character and cost him money. The artist has been litigious and that there is a crowdfunder in place to help support the legal costs of his ex. Jamba number three was one that I went looking for. I spoke to companies as large as Chaosium, savvy traders like All Rolled Up, and indies like Manginarian Games. I even talked to the Federation of Small Businesses, and it was conclusive. Brexit is making life harder for tabletop companies. There's no doubt that the impact of COVID-19 has obscured the impact of Brexit. There are, for example, companies with staff on furlough. However, it's now harder and more expensive to get products in and out of the UK. That helps neither tabletop companies nor their customers. The FSB is suggesting the practical idea of raising the import and export threshold to £1,000. Drama number four is sorted. It was a mistake. Previously, I reported that both Precis Intermedia and Wizards of the Coast published competing copies of Palace of the Vampire Queen, and now we know who really owns that licence. That's the first ever commercially sold standalone D&D adventure. It's owned by Precis. It was added to the Wizards of the Coast catalogue on DriveThruRPG by mistake. Drama over. The next bit of news isn't drama, but it is absolutely connected to D&D history like Vampire Queen. Robert J. Coons is a game designer and author who not only played in some of the first ever D&D games, but he then went on to DM Gary Gygax. Coons has not been a liberal with his licensing agreements, but that's beginning to change. TLB Games and Legends of Roleplaying now have permission to publish some of his original work, some of it never made public before and possibly dating back before 1974 and the release of D&D. TLB Games already sells USBs or DVDs of high quality scans of original Coons notes from the 70s. We had the 13th anniversary of Gary Gagax's death this week. March the 4th has become International GM's Day or, as I've seen it called more recently, GM Appreciation Day. Both work for me. DriveThruRPG and DM's Guild hold the most significant sales of the year to mark the day. Both are still on and offer up to 40% off some games. When I took a look at the top 10 sellers in the sale at DriveThruRPG, I was pretty surprised. Not a single one was fantasy. The top 10 was dominated by horror and by dystopian sci-fi. There was one superhero game. What do you think this means? Is it a reflection on society today? On the lockdown? Perhaps we've all bought our fantasies RPGs already, and a 40% sale is time to experiment with something else. The best seller, when I looked, was Cyberpunk Red. But you don't need to spend money though. This week, Kevin Crawford made good on a Kickstarter promise and released the very impressive Worlds Without Number free download. That's the fantasy sibling to stars without number though I suspect the clue was in the name. Last week, 
but he also chatted about virtual tabletops, marketplaces and looking for group sites. Well, they're back in the news this week. Adam Bradford, who had set up D&D Beyond, which is now part of fandom, left recently. And now we know where he went. He's gone to a website called the Demiplane. Demiplane is a matchmaking site for gamers looking for groups or GMs looking for gamers. I touched on the math challenges for such sites last week. There's a catch-22 that Bradford now needs to solve. He needs people to sign up before it's worth their time signing up. And if I was him, I'd absolutely be talking to conventions, Kickstarter and other organisations who already have impressive reach and customers who are looking for group. Demiplane doesn't care which virtual tabletop, if any, you use. However, the software requirements are relatively front and centre of their marketplace of games. Those virtual tabletops are getting pretty impressive, by the way. Demo demoed this week. Now, I can only describe that as a virtual, virtual table. Yes, you can use your PC to interface the game, but you're really supposed to pop on your virtual headset and then look down over a virtual tabletop. It's a HeroQuest-style approach to gaming, but imagine being able to do that in a virtual space. Technology and tabletop gaming really are merging. And on a related note, Cartographer funded on Kickstarter this week. Normally, indie app development projects fail flat on Kickstarter when it comes to the RPG space. This project, which will produce a $5 a month app and a free version, lets you create augmented reality maps and put digital assets, you know, like monsters and special effects, onto it. You know how you can see the Pokemon in the real world through the lens of Pokemon Go? Yeah, Cartographer is like that, but with tabletop RPGs in mind. It's not a fully-fledged virtual tabletop, although I imagine time and investment can take it there. It's a companion piece. You could use it to see if a skeleton standing at your front door was within fireball range of where you are right now. And above VTT is a Chrome extension, no money required, that turns D&D Beyond into a virtual tabletop. Once installed, and please remember there are security risks for every extension you add, you can visit the campaign section of D&D Beyond, activate the extension, and begin a mashup of virtual tabletop assets. And Wizards of the Coast, who are now the digital bosses at Hasbro, are believed to be working on maybe seven or eight digital games too. We found out about another one this week from Hidden Path Entertainment. That's a studio that usually does war tactic games like Age of Empires, but working with Wizards of the Coast, they are now starting a AAA open-world third-person adventure. And it's not only Wizards of the Coast who are investing in digital. Monty Cook Games are too. They are about to launch a Kickstarter for The Darkest House, and they say it's a new type of RPG product. They also say it will make your current RPG better. I have a concern that they set the bar of expectations very high. As the Kickstarter hasn't launched, they've not said that much more. We know it's a digital product, but not a virtual tabletop, and it is, in fact, a virtual tabletop agnostic. Apparently, it's a sort of Rosetta Stone. You can even use it to introduce characters from different games. Well, I'm eager to take a look when it launches. Now, we're getting to the end of the podcast, but in recent weeks I've been highlighting bundle deals and I've caught my eye. And let's do that again before we move on. First up, Runehammer Games 
has the index card RPG in a deal on bundle of holding. And then the second bundle that I think is worth looking at is one of fantasy horror and sci-fi fiction and you can find the links in the transcript via the show notes. As it's the start of the month, it means the RPG publisher spotlight on Geek Native is on the move. And if you're a patron, thank you, and you'll get to vote for one of the following five companies. Other Stuff Games, Micro RPG, LPJ Design, Insight Entertainment, or Nightfall Games. The winner for March is Daiskami Publishing Company, whom I'll reach out to. Now, in some ways, Daiskami is the reborn guardians of order, who have a controversial past and allegations of bills unpaid. I'm a bit worried about this one, but I think offering Daiskami the chance to talk is the first step. It's also worth noting that the spotlight is intended to be publicity, not interrogation. Lastly, and you are among the first to find out about this, but Geek Native has soft-launched a Discord. You'll find a link in the transcript, there's a 10-minute cooldown on arrival, and rules to agree to before you can speak. But you're welcome to pop in and see if you like the vibe. And on that note, let's wrap there, so please keep safe, stay out of melee range, and we'll speak next week.